Well, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, uh, MCC. It is good to be with you, and uh, I love Sean. He really built, built me up right then, and uh, he's a great, great guy. I love him so much. Uh, I'm his third string guy today. Uh, he called me earlier in the week and said, uh, my backup uh, isn't going to be able to make it. Can you, can you come and bring the word to my people? And I said, sure, Sean. I don't mind being a third-string quarterback. And uh, we're going to score some touchdowns, I hope, uh, today together. But it really is good to be with all of you. And I thank the Lord for the, uh, the community of believers that we have. My wife was uh, with us uh, in the first service, and she's now over teaching the children at Cultivate, uh, where we uh, normally attend. I, uh, I'm also... It, Sean said that I retired in the spring, and that's, that's a really weird thing for a pastor because I've had people say to me, uh, I didn't think pastors retire. Uh, I, I'm really being retreaded. Uh, I, I serve as pastor care for about 27 pastors in the valley, so I get to uh, encourage them and pray for them. Uh, and fill in for them for uh, on occasion. So that's my uh, that's my ministry now. I also do a little craft business on the side for fun. But uh, it really is good to be with you. I've been pastoring full time for 45 years. Uh, married 41 years. We have two grown daughters. And um, but in those 45 years of full time ministry, I've seen a lot going on in our churches. I've seen a lot going on in our communities. And uh, I've seen a lot of messes. Uh, I've dealt with a lot of hurts and pains that people have had in their churches. Uh, I've seen uh, people shot. I've, I've been by the bedside of people uh, mourning the loss of loved ones. I've dealt with uh, people in our churches who are involved in all kinds of addictive behaviors. Uh, I've dealt with marriages that have gone uh, south. And, and it's, it's tough in the church and, uh, and in our world. And so this morning, I want to bring you a message about how do we, uh, how do we bring brokenhearted, broken people to Jesus? And that's my goal. And I want to share uh, this morning from a passage in Mark, Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. So you can take your, your Bible, you can take uh, your phone, whatever you use, and follow along, beginning in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? 
Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all, and this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. And if you're watching online this morning, we welcome you, and we pray that God would bless your hearts as well. This story about uh, what went on on a roof really always has attracted my attention. It's always been interesting. As a little boy, uh, we had a, a garage out behind our house, and I used to just go up on the garage, and we had asphalt shingles on that roof. And I used to tear off parts of those asphalt shingles, and I used them as Frisbees. And I threw them all over the yard. I threw them all over the neighborhood because those things are just fly forever. And I literally tore up the roof of my parents' home. Now, don't think me really all that bad, but I was just a mischievous little guy. And so being on a roof and this story about this rooftop has uh, some special meaning to me. But I want us to think about the context of this passage for a moment. It's fairly early in Christ's ministry. News was circulating around the community that there was a teacher, a healer that was moving about. He'd already handpicked some of his disciples. He had already cast out demons. He had healed the sick. And his name was spreading. It was like a rock star. And people from the community and surrounding areas were coming to see Jesus. And the Bible says there was a huge crowd that had gathered around this house. And many scholars believe this may have been Peter's house that they were gathered at. Well, uh, the Bible also tells us that there were some religious leaders there, teachers of the law that were gathered there, and it, it made sense for them to be there. They were doing what they were religiously required to do. When you look over in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 12 through 16, you find that God told the religious leaders to go out into your villages, go out into your towns, and if you hear anybody leading people astray from false teaching about foreign gods, you are to destroy the whole town as well as those false teachers. So that made this a very, or potentially it could have made this a very tense situation if they were still following this decree of God. You can imagine if they were, the people there realized this was tense. These religious leaders were scrutinizing everything going on. But these religious leaders were curious, and so was this large crowd. And there were also four desperate men who were attempting to get their paralyzed friend before Jesus. And that's the part of this story I want to really focus on this morning. Here were four men who improvised. While the doorway was inaccessible, the roof was not. 
And so they very, very uh, uh, creatively looked at a way to get their friend up onto the roof. And the roofs in those days oftentimes were flat. They were made out of mud and straw and timber, strong enough to hold someone. They were places where the people would go in the evening to cool off. They were places where they would lay out their clothes to dry in the day. And so these men said, we've got to get our friend to Jesus, so let's go to the roof and let's begin digging. And I can imagine the shock on the people in the room as they saw the debris beginning to fall around them. And all of the things that were going above, it must have been quite a sight. And so I believe there's some lessons that you and I and this church want to learn today about how do we bring broken people to Jesus? How do we bring brokenhearted people in a broken world before a loving Savior? And uh, so we're just going to look at this, and I've got four things that need to be broken. First of all, there needed to be four broken hearts. These four men had broken hearts, broken for their paralyzed friend. People don't realize how huge this was. A paralyzed man typically was an untouchable person. He was considered to have had sin somewhere in his life to cause this paralysis. So usually they were the castaways, but not in the eyes of these four men. They said, we have to bring our friend to Jesus. And I just want to say, irregardless of what we see going on in our society today, irregardless of the brokenness and the pain, irregardless of, of all of the, 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 the issues that we struggle with, the decay of humanity, our hearts still have to be broken for people. Every time I've gone to a church to serve as its pastor, typically either the first week I'm there or even before I get there, I love to look for a hill in the community. I did that when I came to this community a little over eight years ago. I went up to the hill up here where that, wa- that water tower is, and I sat up there for a couple of hours so I could look out over this community of people. Because you see, I wanted God to break my heart. If he was calling me to serve in this community, I had to have a broken heart for the people that I was going to be ministered to and at places I was going to have to go. So I prayed for a broken heart. It's not natural to have a broken heart because for me, I can have a very calloused heart. I can have a very hard heart. When I see the things that are going on in our society, and in particular the last couple of years, it's real easy for me to have a hard heart. Let me ask you a question. Is there a hill somewhere? Or is there a place? Is there a way for you to have a broken heart for people? In Luke chapter 19, 41, the Bible says that when Jesus was preparing to enter the city of Jerusalem, knowing he was going to be crucified by evil men, the Bible said that he looked out over the city and he wept for what he saw. Does your heart weep? at what you see happening around you and how it's destroying the lives of so many people. I've heard that in this church, you've been talking about being a Jesus people. Is it possible to be a Jesus people 
but still not see the hearts and the needs and the hurts that people are having around us. The crowd in this story took no compassion on the paralyzed man. Did you get that? They didn't, they didn't create a passageway for these friends to bring in their paralyzed man. There was no compassion given by this crowd. And it's sad, I, I have to say it, when people show up at the doors of our churches and they find that no one wants them there or no one talks to them or no one invites them to sit with them. I read of the pastor who dressed up one Sunday as a homeless man and he sat off to the side of the front doors of the church. He bowed his head, he put a cloak over his head and he waited and he waited. Not one person from his church stopped to offer him aid or show him compassion. So when it was time for the preaching to begin in the service, there was a noticeable pause in that, at that point in the service. And finally, the doors at the back of the church opened and that homeless man walked straight down the aisle. And then to everyone's horror, that homeless man walked up into the pulpit and he turned and he faced his crowd and he just simply, without saying a word, began to read to them. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You see, your church, MCC, is at a crossroad, like all of our churches. And we have to ask ourselves, will our hearts remain calloused or will they be broken? Are we open? Are we receptive to anyone who comes, regardless of their of their looks, their personality, their political persuasions? Will they be welcome in this place? We have to have broken hearts. We have to be broken, have broken hearts out in the community everywhere we go. There also needed to be four broken egos. Not only should they have broken hearts, but they had broken egos. Here were four men attempting to carry their friend on a stretcher. At the beginning, there must have been four different ideas how to proceed. Who would go in front? Who would take up the rear? What would be the, the direction that they would go in? Who would take charge once they got to the house? Who made the call to walk up onto the roof and begin to tear it open? If our churches are going to have breakthroughs into healing, into healing and bringing love to broken hearts, each one of us have to lay down our egos about who's first or who's second, who's more important than the other. 
and we begin to work as one. It is pride that goes before us and that creates a fall. And it is pride that destroys churches today. Jesus prayed this for his disciples, as well as for you and for me, where he said in John 17, 20, this prayer, I pray for all who will believe in me that all of them will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you realize that the best witnessing tool we have is not the four spiritual laws, not even going door to door, knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. Our greatest witnessing tool is our oneness as the body of Christ. When our hearts are united as one, when we are loving one another, when we are bearing with one another, forgiving one another, praying for one another, the world can only look on in amazement when we are one. My heart is broken over what I've seen in the last couple of years in our churches, amongst our people, amongst the people of God as we have become infighting and we have been uh, leaving churches by the droves or going to new churches or going here and there or not even going to church at all anymore because we're disgusted by what our pastor said or did or how our church operated. God is calling us to be one and it is the great greatest witnessing tool and these men knew that they had to work together as one. They didn't take time to form a committee. They put their egos aside and they said, let's just get our friend in front of Jesus. The third thing that was broken was protocol. First of all, their hearts were broken. Second, their egos were broken. But now they had to break protocol. In this story, was there any kind of right or wrong way to get their friend before Jesus? I remember the, the days uh, in my ministry when it was, it was uh, the, the protocol was you do church this way. You meet at this time on Sunday morning. You meet at this time on Sunday night. You meet at this time on Wednesday night. You do these things because that's called church. And I want to say to you this morning, we have to look at our protocols and recognize that some of them just have to simply be broken if we're going to reach this community and broken-hearted people for Jesus Christ. Very little is said in the New Testament about church protocol. What you find is that people were selecting godly leaders, they were meeting together regularly, they were praying together, they were studying the scriptures together, they were taking the Lord's Supper together, they were supporting the work of the ministry and missions together, but other than that, they just went for it. And I just say to MCC, I thank you for over the years that I've known you as a church body. I believe you are that kind of a church. I don't believe protocol for you is of the highest regard. I think you have found so many wonderful, creative, meaningful ways in order to reach your community. But let's not let protocol keep us from doing that. And then number four, the, the fourth thing that needed to be broken was the building itself. The building itself. These men put their friend before the building. 
They saw past the building. They saw the pain in their friend's eyes. And they said, this roof is not near as important as getting our friend before Jesus Christ. And you are fortunate to have this beautiful building. You are fortunate to have all of these things that you have. But if this building begins to be what you worship and what you think is so cool, you've lost the whole purpose for this place. This is just a vessel for God to take you and allow you to meet broken-hearted people because you see this church needs to be broken. The walls will probably have to be uh, moved around somewhat. You're going to be allowing people to come into your church and you're gonna look at your structures and your rooms and all of the spaces that you have here and you need to be able to say to yourself, we don't care, let's just find ways to reach people. This is just a building, but it's people that we look at. I remember about reading about Chuck Smith. Maybe you remember Chuck Smith who formed the Calvary Chapel movement down in Southern California. Chuck Smith had a heart for the people on the beach, the hippies and anybody else that gathered on the beach. So Chuck Smith went out to the beaches and he began to just simply share the gospel with all of these kids. And they loved his heart so much that they began coming to his church. But there was a problem. His church had just put in a brand new carpet. And the leaders of the church and the elders of the church said to Chuck Smith, they said, there are too many kids coming and they're barefooted and they're messing up our brand new carpet. Can you talk to them about putting shoes on and making sure that they take care of this place? And Chuck Smith had a long heart-to-heart -heart talk with his elder team and his leaders. And, they, and he said, if we don't remove this carpet by next week, then I'm out of here as your pastor. Because he saw into their hearts. He saw that they were more com uh, concerned about their building and their carpets than they were about people. Next Sunday morning, the carpets were gone. And those young people from those beaches began to flood into their church, barefoot and all. And out of that began a movement where we have hundreds of pastors across our nation who now understand that the gospel is not about buildings. It's about reaching people for Jesus Christ. Listen, there needs to be some breakthroughs. Like in all of our churches, we all need broken hearts for the lost and the dying. We need broken egos and we must put on humility. We need broken protocols and have the whatever it takes attitude, which I'm so glad you have. And we need to allow our buildings to be broken as needed to reach one more person for Jesus Christ. But there's one thing that must not be broken. And that one thing that must not be broken is faith, our faith. Do you notice that as this man lay at the feet of Jesus Christ, notice what Jesus did. Verse 5 says, when Jesus saw the faith of these four men, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Notice that it was the faith of the four men that made the difference between their friend being lost for eternity or finding new life in Christ. And I wonder what Jesus sees in our hearts today. Does he see faith? 
Does he see men and women of faith working as one, egos gone, ready to move forward with new zeal unhindered? Who cares what other people think? Do we have that kind of faith? Is it possible still in 2022 to reach people for Jesus Christ? Or have we just simply given up? Have we simply said, it doesn't work anymore. People aren't going to come to church anymore. I beg to say the difference. I, I, I want to say to us this morning, I just think we need to get some broken hearts for the hurting. I think we need some broken egos. I think we need to break some protocols, and I think we need to make sure that wherever we meet to worship God, it's open and it's receptive. Because I think a part of that last statement in this verse where it says, we've never seen anything like this, came a partial, not only what Jesus did to the paralytic, but what these four men did for their friend. And I can guarantee you there are a lot of people around our society and in our world today that are saying, I've seen it all. I know what church is like. I've been there, I've done that, and I don't want it anymore. Could it be possible that MCC would be that church where people instead, when they walk, come here and they begin to worship here, they would say, we have never seen anything like this. Isn't that what you want? We've never seen anything like this. That's the heart of MCC. That should be the heart of MCC. It should be the heart of Cultivate. It should be the heart of each and every one of our churches in the community. Let's not lose heart. Let's not lose faith. You say, how can I bring my friend to Jesus? Well, you can invite them. Did you know that the number one reason people give their hearts to Jesus Christ is because somebody simply invited them to a Bible study or to a worship service? The invitation is still there. Not only that, you can pray your friends to Jesus. You can pray for them. You can pray for them. You can pray for your fellow employees. You can pray for your your neighbors around you. You can pray for your prodigal children. Prayer is still powerful. It's never lost its power. Pray your friends to Jesus.